0: Hey, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of the Tree of Life Church podcast. It's our prayer that these messages help connect you to the life, love, and power of Jesus. Hey, listen, we're excited about celebrating what God's doing in and through Tree of Life. And so today we wanna take some time uh, to continue to share the vision. Uh, Last week, if you weren't here, go back and watch the stream. I really feel like, you should for sure if this is home for you or you're contemplating where God wants you and your family to land. Uh, because you'll see the heart and vision of the house of tree of life. It's always been since beginning, 42 years on and today, and will be on into the future. That God has a heart for this house to be a tree of life to a lost and hurting world. And certainly we're working really hard to help people and. In- be a blessing and make as much impact as we can here, but not just here. And so we shared last week, uh, my mom, my brother and I uh, did a video sharing a vision my dad had before the church even started about a tree being planted here and deep roots that would seek out the life-giving nutrients in, in the soil. And to us, you and I, that would be the Word of God and the Spirit of God always seeking that out growing deeper and therefore growing stronger amen the foundation and then a strong trunk that would with able to stand storms and floods and droughts and attacks and things of that sort that would still stand it might bend but it wouldn't break and then a large canopy of branches with leaves and casting shade and times and places to be refreshed and to rest and fruit in every season, as the Bible describes, where people can be refreshed and replenished. And and then seeds would fall as the wind would blow. And the wind is a type and shadow of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit would blow through the the tree at certain times. It would carry seeds around the world. And there was a a map spread out before my dad. And a seed would land. And and another tree of life, if you will, would grow up. Another tree with deep roots, strong trunk, and a big canopy with, with leaves for shade and shelter and fruit to help And so that would be kind of the picture. And so for 42 years, we've been believing God for that, praying for that. And we've seen God do some different things. And several years ago, a seed fell and landed in Leon, Guanajuato, Mexico, where my brother currently pastors. And a few weeks ago, we were able to go and uh, launch the third campus there. And uh, God had just been opening doors. And 2023 seems like just God had uh, picked up the pace a bit on this vision. And we wanna share that with you and we will these upcoming weeks. Today, we're gonna talk about what God's doing in and through tree of life in the country of Nepal. Next week, we'll talk about India in particular, but we'll also mention Turkey and Pakistan. You've heard that mentioned. And then the last weekend, uh, the last Sunday of uh, the month, we'll talk about Ukraine and Cuba. And so you wanna come and be a part of all that. Um, But we kinda got connected with Nepal and God's done all this work through relationships, uh, really kind of a few years ago When uh, someone walked in the front doors of Tree of Life Church in 2016, Doug uh, Pinkston came. Doug Pinkston was in the area and he was just, he had been serving in the military. Uh, We appreciate his service, he was a combat medic and he was uh, wounded in Afghanistan uh, externally and then internally from all that he experienced. And he was in San Antonio uh, getting some help because they have a great program there to help uh, soldiers with PTSD and overcome the challenges and the trauma from being a combat medic and then being outside the wire and being injured himself. And so um, he just thought he was coming and God was restoring him through uh, the program at Laurel Ridge for soldiers, and then he came to Tree of Life Church and God was doing a work uh, spiritually in him as well, right? So you need both the physical and the emotional and the spiritual, amen? And so God was bringing all that together, but God had a bigger picture for him, God had a picture for us, and in that time, God started knitting our hearts together, and we started hearing um, his heart for the country of Nepal, and it had been a point of prayer for my wife and I for a while, as well as uh, Doug and Emma, and so God had just been working some things out and had set some things in motion. So I wanna start uh, this morning, before we go any farther, uh, we had Doug come sit down for a few minutes and shot a a video of him sharing his heart and vision For Nepal so you can see kind of how this all began in him and then how this came together with tree so let's take a look at the video
1: my journey to nepal really started in the early 80s at a church convention here in san antonio my family had flown us out from california during this time during a children's convention god gave me a vision of standing on a stage preaching the gospel to a sea of foreign people little did i know that that dream would be fulfilled in the nation of nepal Fast forward 1995, I got to go to Nepal at 18 years old and I preached my first service in a small mud hut in a little village in Nepal. During that service while praying for the sick, I encountered my first healing that I had never seen before. A lady with leprosy, a disease that I thought was relegated to Bible times was completely healed and her withered arm from birth grew out right before my eyes. Needless to say, my heart for the nations was absolutely undone in that moment. It was in that village in 1995 that I encountered the living God. I encountered the goodness of God that leads man to repent. God spoke through David in Psalms 34.8, he says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Fast forward to 2011 after many years of carrying this revelation and burden for the nations that God called me back to Nepal to host a pastor's training seminar and to distribute 1500 Bibles. I again was wrecked as I witnessed many pastors weeping as they received their first Bible. It was in that time, my spiritual son and I launched a 24 hour house of prayer in the capital city of Kathmandu. It was God who said to us, if Nepal would be saved, it would be on our knees. Since 2011, we have planted 35 churches with our 36th church being launched this past May. In Matthew 28, 19, Jesus says to go and make disciples of all nations. For me, I had been satisfied in the past with making a disciple here and there, but I was missing the big picture. God said make disciples of nations, not just in nations. Over the past 10 years, God has given us a template to radically change the trajectory of this nation. In 2014, God gave me a dream of a great earthquake hitting the nation of Nepal and many lives would be lost. God went on to reveal that none of our team would would lose their lives. In 2015, while preparing to host many mass crusades all over Nepal, my spiritual son Govinda was driving in the mountains of Kathmandu the tragedy struck. 9,000 lost their lives that day, and over 600,000 structures were completely destroyed. But God had positioned Govinda in that moment to take all our resources available and to immediately procure several tons of food, water, and temporary shelters, and then to distribute them to several remote villages, as well as the Kathmandu Valley. Even before Nepal government could begin to muster a response before the Red Cross. Govinda and our team are ready to bring hope, help, and healing to the precious nation of Nepal. The results have been amazing. God has now given us divine favor with many government officials that were previously against the spreading of the gospel. In several villages where we brought humanitarian aid, local officials have actually built us churches from the ground up. This is the vision. There are seven regions of Nepal. It is our objective to place a ministry center in each of the seven regions. We are right now in five of those seven regions. Each ministry center will have a crisis response team with resources to respond to any crisis that happens in that region. Each ministry center will oversee, train, encourage, and equip pastors in their respective territories. Each ministry center will be a human trafficking response center equipped to combat human trafficking and the reintegration of the victims back into society. When we look at the template that God has given us, the end result is that the nation of Nepal become a nation that heart is for the living, loving, healing, purpose-giving God. It is our heart to work through this template, which we call the vehicle of honor. It is this template that God used throughout history to affect cultural change. Joseph, David, Esther, Nehemiah, Daniel, and ultimately Jesus have all changed the course of history through the vehicle of honor. This is our vision so that all the world might know.
0: Amen, amen, amen. 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 If you. If you, don't, if you don't already know, I'd like to introduce to you Doug Pinkston. Can we just give him a big, God bless you, Doug. <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> Who knew? Who knew but God in 2016 when he wandered in our door what God would do in him and through him and how the partnership would develop, the friendship first and then the partnership, uh, not just for ministry here because he's actively involved here. He's actually a chaplain at Laurel Ridge giving back to what he had received from them, making a difference in so many lives there, and certainly around here, and then with his vision and heart for Nepal. and As my wife and I began to hear stories from Doug and Emma about Nepal, uh, it just, something stuck in us, and and we just, not put it on the shelf, but we just knew that that was something that we needed to be not on the front burner, but something we need to continue to talk about and pray about, and as we did, and the relationship grew and developed, God was just knitting our hearts together, and in this past, April, May, we ended up uh, going on a trip to India, finally, after all the COVID, and so a neighboring country is, of course, Nepal, and open doors, and so we uh, went from India to Nepal and spent a week there just meeting with all the pastors and leaders and the people, and our heart just fell in love with the place, and we knew, we knew going into that trip, we went to spot the land, if you will, that God had already called us to partner with House of Prayer Ministries and bring together uh, an overall ministry or bring House of Prayer up under a partnership with Tree of Life. And we are formally, we already had filed paperwork with the Nepali government. We are formally registering Tree of Life Nepal. And in a few weeks, that should be done and completed. Can we get a big celebration on that, everybody? Come on. Amazing, amazing. Who would have thought but God. And now our best days are ahead, and we're excited what God's doing. That's right. And so we have two gentlemen that, uh, Doug, uh, they've been a part of the ministry together in partnership that are in leadership over Tree of Life Nepal. And uh, we actually have them with us this morning. Uh, they're gonna be on the screen if all has, goes well with internet and connections around the world. Hey guys, can you hear us? Are you there? You're either sitting very still, okay. All right, I thought maybe you were a frozen move or something, I, I Can you hear us, guys, give us a wave, how about that? Give us a wave. Are we good? All right, well wait just a second. I'm looking, I, here's where we're looking at, but we're looking at them. Can we wave, can you wave, can you hear us?
1: Okay. Can you wave?
0: Was that a wave? I saw your eyebrows go up, was that? <laughs> was that like Nepali for, oh no, I'm just kidding. Are you good? They're laughing <laughs> all right hey so we'll talk and so maybe we'll be able to get them back on in a second here and so now they're working on that as you can imagine the challenge of everything there that end so uh, so hey Doug so talk to us a little bit so the two gentlemen on the screen why don't you tell us who they are and what they do
1: yeah so uh, Govinda is uh, the gentleman on the left if you could have seen him that's my spiritual son there he is he's waving all right he can hear us now and Peter is on Govinda's other side there. And Peter has been a brother of mine since 1995. He was my first interpreter, got to experience our first miracle together uh, in a little village uh, in Nepal, Gange. So we've been working together since 1995. And Govinda and I, since 2011, been a wild, amazing ride. Uh, God's really knit our hearts together and be, uh, just created something really beautiful together.
0: Amen, amen. Well, we've had the privilege and pleasure of spending time with these guys when we're over there. Love their hearts for the Lord, first and foremost, and then for their country. And such a desire to win Nepal for Jesus. Amen. And we just felt God just made a supernatural connect there. And so they're both gonna be a part of Tree of Life Nepal, and Govinda is gonna be the director of Ministry and Operations. That's right, yeah. And Peter is gonna be the Director of Training and Development. So That's right. there's a lot going on as we're establishing a work, a formal organizational structure um, that they haven't had. And, and it's amazing to me what they've been able to accomplish, of course, with God, first and foremost, without really an organized structure of, of support and uh, uh, just resource and accountability and being able to connect and train uh, men and women for the ministry. And in fact, you shared uh, in the video that there was 35 churches have been established already and that's actually grown since then. That's
1: right, so our last trip there, actually, we got to dedicate our 36th church.
0: 36. Yeah,
1: so pretty so excited about that.
0: 36 churches in five states yeah. around Nepal, amen. Yeah. And, uh, and there's a couple more, right? I mean, you got word that there's two more coming yeah, up. Yeah,
1: absolutely, so in the next month or two, we're launching two more uh, I guess campuses is what they'd be called. And uh, by the end of the year, we're, we're praying into 40 total.
0: Yeah. So... So they're not waiting. <laughs> they're not waiting. They're just going forward believing God and trusting God for everything. And, and we feel God's just put us together to, again, to do some formal organization to be able to be supportive and help them continue to reach their country. And so it is right, Would you say, I mean, you have a better pulse, especially from these guys, that is Nepal. Tell us, tell us what, is it ready? Is it? I, I know it's challenging because uh, it has an anti-Christian law to it, uh, Christian. Let me say it this way: Christianity is illegal in Nepal. Yeah. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. So the beautiful thing about the church is, is when everything's going well, it's at its weakest. <laughs> it's when it's persecuted that the church begins to grow. Look at China. Look at all the other yeah. countries that suffer persecution. Yeah. And the same thing is happening in Nepal. Is that the greater the persecution, the greater the revival uh, in our experience. And and God's just given us favor, and we're seeing you know, healing, signs, wonders, and the greatest uh, miracle of all is salvations just blanketing the country. And so it's been a beautiful thing.
0: And so Nepal is pro- predominantly Hindu religion, which is very anti-Christian. Uh, the president of the country or the leader of that, uh, he is Hindu and many of the government officials. And so they are very anti-Christian. And, uh, but in that, as Doug said, the, the people right? I mean, you guys know that the government doesn't always reflect the heart of the people, right? And the people are hungry for the gospel. And and when we were there, we were blown away. Jasmine and I were blown away by what we thought they were organizing a meeting of a few pastors and leaders, and there was 275. And uh, then we went to do like a youth rally, and 500 showed up. And now when we're planning on going back in October, they're talking about 1,300 and 1,500 teenagers or youth showing up to the meetings there. It's like there's this groundswell of revival fire just sweeping the country, regardless of the position of the government. However, right? They have to make sure that they're operating in a way that, you know, it doesn't shut them down, if you will, and certainly it's persecution. And so we're going to come alongside with prayer support and financial support and organizational support and work together and help reach that country. Um, So the number one need.
1: Yeah, I actually think they're back on. Oh, are they? Yeah, I think they are. are. They back on. Hey, can you hear us now? Gentlemen, can you hear us?
0: I'm going to get the notes.
1: Got the notes. That's a good thing.
0: All right. Number one need. All
1: right. Number one need, uh, obviously, for, is the foundation. Uh, in 1995, when I first went there, I saw that there was, you know, pastors uh, that were hungry to bring the gospel to people, but a lot of them were lacking training. In fact, some of our pastors uh, in 2011, we actually gave them their first Bible, so they had been pre, uh, preaching off of uh, little information packlets, some of them ha- uh, New Testaments, but they did not have full Bibles. So when we distributed their first Bible, we saw this need, that there needs to be a training and an equipping of the ministers to go forward from here.
0: Amen. So uh, being over there, and 275 pastors and leaders show up for a meeting, uh, very, few, very few of them are formally trained. How can you? and uh, country where Christianity seemingly is illegal. And so, but we feel like we can come alongside and build a training center and uh, be able to give them what they need, whether it be through, uh, you know, a recorded or video messages that are translated or actually having people teach different subjects and people that are already pastors and already in established churches can come and get some uh, ministry training and some equipping and then certainly raising up just as you maybe picked up on as I talked about the youth movement, this next generation hungry for the things of God, ready to get trained and discipled so they could go out then and lead. And so what we are praying for is the ability to establish a training center and then be able to plant other training centers around in the different parts of the country. And so you'll hear more about that, but we need to get these guys rooted and grounded in the Word of God and in the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. And so they can teach their congregations and God's just doing amazing things, and not just through um, coming and sharing the gospel, but there's many other ways that villages are opened up yeah, to the gospel. Yeah,
1: actually, Peter is one of them. Uh, he's got a, a ministry that he goes around in different villages and uh, digs water wells and uh, is able to, to bring fresh water, which is, is vital in Nepal. So many... Um, People struggle with kidney, kidney diseases because of bad water. And Peter brings it in. He sets it in front of a local church or in a uh, village center. And then people come to that well and they say, hey, you know what? You care about Nepal. And it's the same thing in 2015 when we had the big earthquake. Many of the villages we didn't have churches in, but we brought aid. And because of that, this last time going into the same villages and 30, 50 Uh, even a hundred salvations of Hindus that just wanted to come say thank you for helping us in our time of need. They were ripe for the gospel because they saw how much we cared and loved them.
0: Amen. Amen. You give them God's love and you can give them God's word. That's right. Amen. It opens up their heart to receive. And so a lot of opportunities here. We wanna establish a training center, a central one, and then training centers regionally. We're raising up leaders through the existing organization as we come together uh, to head up the different states. There's two states. I think states, regions, there's yeah, seven, regions, seven seven yeah. total. Uh, there's already established works in five of those, so they're looking to evangelize the other two states, but not just in the country of Nepal, because this movement has spread beyond its borders.
1: Absolutely right. Now we have Nepali pastors in Bhutan, in India, in Myanmar, in other regions, and it's just, it's a beautiful thing, because when the gospel goes forward, and God, you answer that call, he says, go into all the world, boy, they take that Literally. And they're going, and it's just a beautiful thing. So to be a yeah. part of this network that is not just in Nepal, it's a global network, and that's the heart of tree.
0: Yeah, amen. So we felt, God said, it's time. Yeah. As we've spent time talking about vision last week, we feel like God had taken one of the seeds, unbeknownst to us, and landed it there in Nepal for us to come and help water and nurture yeah. that and help see it grow. And when God brought uh, Doug here and his heart, we just knew God was doing something with uh, greater than ourselves, and we can do more together. And so we're excited what the future holds. We're going to go back in October to meet with the leadership and continue to establish Tree of Life Nepal and the network there, and then see what the needs are and how we can meet those. And then in 2024, again, we'll be taking trip, and we're going to offer the opportunity for people: you can travel from here uh, to Nepal and uh, be a part of what God is doing in and in through. Uh, this ministry partnership on into helping expand the kingdom. And so super excited, super excited. Anything else you want to say?
1: Yeah, absolutely. First Corinthians chapter six. Just real
0: short, okay. First Corinthians (laughs) chapter
1: six is one of my wife's life scriptures. It says your life is not your own. You've been bought with a price. Isaiah 43 says you are mine. And the greatest word in the English language that you could ever speak to Jesus is Yes. Amen. Yes. Amen. And so we just say yes.
0: We say yes. Amen. 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 Can we pray? Let's all pray. Father, we thank you in this moment that this, we believe, Father God, you saw this moment from the beginning of time and you had gone before us, Father God, gone before anybody, Lord, all of us, Tree of Life, and Paul, Doug, Emma, Father, you, you went before and you had set something in place for such a time as this. And now we're stepping into it. We're walking into this next phase, this next season. And Father God, and we say yes. Send me, send us, Father, to the nations. And help us, Father God, be a tree of life in Nepal. Help us, Father God, bring uh, the help and hope of Jesus to a lost and hurting country and people. We thank you, Father God, for Govinda. We thank you for Peter and all the other pastors and leaders, Father God, part of this organization, many others that are just waiting to come on board and be a part, Father God. We have no idea in our infinite mind what you will do. We're just saying yes to all of it. Whatever you ask, Father God, here we are. We will go. And so we thank you for it, Father, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we just give a big shout out to all Pastor Doug, Pastor Doug, <laughs> Govinda, Peter, all the people. So exciting. It can be a bit overwhelming, and then you have to stop and think, oh, this is God's. <laughs> I don't have to be overwhelmed by this. This is God. He is more than enough. Amen. And so I want to share a few things as we close, just in line with what we're talking about this month. And so turn to Luke 14 for me. Luke 14, we, we, we started there. I have one other thing I wanna point out. And this is an amazing passage of scripture to me. I've, I've read it a lot of times and, and shared parts of it under different contexts, right, as the Lord has led. And it's just landing on me different this year. I believe it's because it's, it's where we're stepping into as a church, as a body. If you're calling Tree of Life home, or you're just, you know, maybe you're here just kicking the tires, seeing if this is a place for you. Uh, you know, I want you to just open up your heart and uh, continue just to receive what I feel is a vision and purpose for this church. And, and let's not get lost in, we're talking about the world in this month, but let's not get lost in the fact that we are making a difference here, right here where we live. And so we're reaching people and doing even more as we can to reach and have a greater impact in the area around about us. But here's what I know. And God says go into all the world and we wanna be obedient. And as we go and take care of those there, the lost and hurting, God helps us take care of those here. And the same for you and your family. You can go by your prayers. Your prayers have no are not bound, they have no limits by borders or governments. You can, tr- you can travel the world every day in prayer, and you should. And your prayers, your giving has no boundaries. God will use it and multiply it. No gift is too big, no gift is too small. When it's given to God, it's all the same, amen? And he takes that and multiplies it, and he takes care of those who take care of those. And so it goes around the world, and then you're serving, and for some of you, maybe it is a trip that you'll take to one of these places around the world, but nonetheless, we all can be a part of what God's doing here and around the world. And so in Luke 14, uh, I wanna take a look at the passage of scripture beginning um, in 25 through 27 again. It says this large crowds, now listen, large crowds are traveling with Jesus. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. There's a lot of Jesus followers at this point in time. A lot of people, it might just be regular people. There's Jews following him, there's Gentiles, there's rich, there's poor, all kinds of backgrounds, there's Pharisees, there's religious leaders, if you will, there's disciples following Jesus. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters, yes, even their own life, this Person cannot be my disciple, and that sounds kind of hard. But what he's saying is, listen, everybody following him, everybody. Here's what you need to know: I have to be number one. I have to be. You have to love me above everything else. And as we know today, now they're just hearing this, kind of being shocked. Is their first time for you and I. We know that when he's number one, he takes care of two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Right? Seek first the kingdom of God. So he's not saying like neglect them. He's saying. To help benefit them, the greatest, make me number one, and we will take care of all that. He says, but there needs to be a gap. It needs to be a gap between me and everything else in your life, even the closest relationships. I don't want to be equal to them, and certainly there's times we put them above. He says, if I'm number one and there's a gap, then we can make a difference. As a church, we're trying to make sure this world knows, everybody knows, God is number one, and there is a big gap between number two and on down there. This world needs to know that. You need to know that. You need that. The best thing you could do for your marriage is make God number one. Best thing you could do for your kids is make God number one. For your business, make God number one. For your life, make God number one. He's saying the best thing you can do for life. And now he's talking to a whole bunch of followers, and then they began to drift away. The crowd gets smaller and smaller and smaller. And he knew that. That's why he put that out there to test them, if you will. And then, uh, uh, now, so he says that, but you know what he says This He says this after he's talking about, and if you were to go read the first part of that uh, chapter up to verse 25, you'll see Jesus talking about a wedding banquet or wedding feast, and then he's talking about a great banquet, a feast. And when you see that great banquet and feast in Scripture, it's talking about, it's a picture type and shadow of what Jesus is talking about there is a picture of the wedding supper of the Lamb. So that's the biblical term for it. But basically what it is, when Jesus returns again, we're all gonna be taken up, those that are on the earth, those that have gone on to heaven before the rapture, we're all gonna be having the wedding feast of the Lamb, meaning the bridegroom, the people that follow Jesus, will be united with Jesus for a grand banquet. Now we don't have time to explain that, we get into it maybe next week, but understand what he's talking here is a picture of that. So he's saying, he goes, so he comes off and he says, he sends his servants out, invite everyone you can to my banquet. And in response, the servants come back and they say, well, somebody said they got married, they can't make it. Somebody bought a piece of land and they need to check it out. Someone bought a team of oxen and they need to give them a test drive, right? So make sure they're working right. Someone did this and someone did that. And, and he got frustrated and all he heard was excuses. And then he said, go out and find the poor and the crippled and the lame and the blind. Go out and find those that have been rejected. Go out and find the ones that nobody else wanted and invite them to the banquet. And then he goes and says, and so the servant comes, we've invited everybody like that we could and there's still room. And so then he says, go invite anybody, compel anybody and everybody. I want my banquet table, I want my banquet hall full. And that's a picture that I hope that lands on us this month. See, we're, when we said yes to Jesus, we're, we're servants of God. And he sends us out to invite those that don't know him to the banquet for them. And this really came alive yesterday in prayer. If you miss Saturday prayer, go back and watch it. And so many, so many things roll out of that time that you and I hold an amazing invitation to the banquet. And therefore, we have a responsibility to go invite everybody we know here and around the world But it's interesting to me in both cases when he talks about the wedding and then when he talks about the great banquet, both cases at some point in time, he starts emphasizing the poor, those in greatest need. Make sure you're reaching out to those who can't help themselves. I'll reach out to everybody and extend the invitation and some will have all kinds of excuses and you've heard them. You even use them until you finally said yes, right? And he goes, go out, find those. But then let's also make sure, make sure, make sure we're going out to those that need it the most, if you will. Not from the standpoint of salvation, because we all need it, but those that need Jesus to heal them, to deliver them, not just to save them. Because you know what's found at that banquet? If he's personally inviting the blind, the deaf, the lame, the sick, there's going to be something more than their salvation there. Come on, somebody. And here's what I love. The invitation is extensive this morning, meaning it's for everybody going to all the world. It was for the followers were Jews and Gentiles, and they were businessmen and poor people, and they were people that didn't look like anybody. Every la- it's for everybody. The invitation is extensive, and the banquet is expensive, meaning Jesus paid the highest price already. He has enough for everyone that would say yes to him. There's more than enough resource, and understand this, from one who would carry an invitation to a lost and hurting world, the one who is hosting the banquet not only has enough resource to provide for the banquet, he has enough resource to provide for the one carrying the invitation. Because then he has to assume some responsibility by saying, if you'll go, I'll take care of you, but you have to go. If you'll take this invitation to those that are of the greatest need, I'll make sure you have what you need to get there. And I think about the countries that we're looking, I think of like Nepal and India and the poorest of the poor and and so deceived with false religion and where things are illegal, if you will, and and so many obstacles. And yet the master says, take this invitation to those who need it most. That have room for everybody. You know, there's an endless supply in heaven. He never runs out. As long as there's people inviting, he has a resource. And he doesn't want one empty seat at the table. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done, there's a seat for you at the table. And he's asking, looking for, and that group of followers, he's looking for people, and so then his response, as he talks to his followers, we're with you, Jesus, we'll go wherever you go, is to challenge them in their commitment. Am I number one, really? I mean, you love me more than anything else, right? Because that's what it's gonna take. And I would say to you when I feel like we're stepping into this place, that we need to re-examine our commitment. And I'm not just saying their commitment to the church, so, okay, pastor, you just want us all to sign up for membership, no, 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 no. Your commitment to God, because everything else will flow out of that. (laughs) If you make a commitment to God and greater than anything else, and listen, your commitment to God needs to be way above your commitment to church. But if you have a commitment to God, you'll be a part of a church. Because that's what he established here as the storehouse, as the vehicle to take the gospel forth. Everything else flows out of that. And we have great organizations, mission organizations, we partner together, we work together to get the gospel out. And So here's what I know. If you'll say yes to Jesus, that's amazing and that's great. But at some point in time, you have to examine your commitment to his work. His invitation. See, because there was a lot of followers around that day, but there wasn't a lot of disciples. If there were a lot of disciples around him, he may not have had the discussion about discipleship, right? I mean, he's all these religious leaders around him too, religious crowd, and yet he still needed to challenge them and their commitment to him. And it goes on to say in the story, he just begins, who in building something would not count the cost first, who in going to battle would not count the cost first and we said this last week I'm telling you God has put it on our heart it's time to build and it's time to battle but we gotta count the cost and can I tell you as a church I have and I've already said yes Lord I've already said yes Lord because I know it's the plan and purpose of God. It fulfills the vision that was given over 42 years ago for this church. We're just now stepping into a place where we have to examine the church, examine our own individual hearts and lives and say, where's our commitment level at God? Is it the same? And Do we have the same commitment we did 42 years ago? No, because we can do more now than we could back then. We need to make a greater commitment because now we're at a different place in time. And I would say from the moment you said yes to Jesus, maybe it was years ago, are you on that same commitment level because the world has changed and it is harder to be a disciple than it was before. There's more persecution today. There's more attacks of the enemy today. There is more changing culture attacking Christianity than ever before. There's more attacks on your marriage. There's more attacks on your family. There's more attacks on our belief system. Faith is being attacked everywhere in our society today. It is not as easy to be a disciple. You have to pay more today to be a disciple than you did when you first said yes to Jesus. We cannot operate on just our beginning relationship with God. We have to go deeper. We have to go further. It's important to understand that. We're not living by yesterday's prices. We're living by today's prices. I said, I said last week, we're not looking for discount disciples. Trying to get more for less. Doesn't work that way in the kingdom. We're not trying to be coupon Christians. I heard somebody say it this way one time, I love it. We're not trying to be fixed rate mortgage Christians. I locked that in 30 years ago. I'm still giving the same amount even though your job has grown. I'm still praying the same amount. I'm still serving them. No, it's going to cost you more today. If you want, if you're getting more from God, I don't know about you, but I'm getting a lot more from God than the first time I said yes, and therefore I'm giving a lot more to God. Amen. If you're getting more from God, you need to. Yesterday's prices are not today's prices. So it's going to cost you a little bit more. It's going to cost you a little bit more worship. You need to worship a little bit more. It's going to cost you a a little bit more prayer. You realize I I pray more now than I've ever prayed in my life. It's going to cost you a, a little bit more serving. The opportunities are there. And you have been gifted and given talents for a reason. To use them to get the invitation out if there's a seat at the table for everybody, it's gonna cost you a little bit more giving because it takes resource to build a Bible school in Nepal where unlimited people will come and train and carry the gospel to that whole country and surrounding nations. The question is, are you willing to pay it? And that's not to me. That's to God, right? You realize that, right? That's not to this church. That's to God. Where's that gap? Is there a gap in your personal life and devotion? Is there a gap in your prayer time? Is there a gap in your serving? Is there a gap in your resource? All that's a reflection of your commitment to him and where he stands or where everybody else, everything else stands. And so that's my challenge. My heart, my hope in this is not to make feel, anybody feel uncomfortable or this is not a, a hard message. This is just as Jesus was expressing to his followers. He's like, there's a level of commitment we need to make. Are you willing to make that? Because there's a whole world out there that needs you and I to carry the invitation to the banquet. Because there's a seat at the table for everybody, especially those who can't do for themselves. Especially those who don't have what you and I have. Father, I just thank you for this moment. I, I pray that your words are heard, not my words. Even filtered, Father, in a sense through my Understanding in humanity, I pray the Holy Spirit speaks to each and every person, that they see the, they see the heart of the message. That there's a lost and hurting world and you have set a banquet and invited everybody to come and some will be too busy and make excuse. Father God, may we be compelled to go to the ends of the earth and invite everyone to your banquet because there is a seat at the table for them. And we will not relent until this house, your house is full. We father God will carry the invitation to a lost and hurting world. And we thank you, Father God, as we do, we we make sure that you are priority number one. And it's everything else is a distant second. But we make sure, Father God, that this church that has said yes to your call, does everything within our ability, making a commitment, Father God to be your hands and your feet here on the earth, here and around the world, to be a tree of life to a lost and hurting world. And I thank you, Father God, that there's a group of people here that say, yes, we will be your disciples and we will carry this message to the world. Thanks again for joining us this week. We pray that this message encouraged and inspired you. If you want to find out how you can be a part of Tree of Life, just go to our website, treeoflifechurch.org. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend.